just saying, yes, uh, we have a bunch of people sign up for water baptism, and so, you know, it's kind of, uh, we have to set up the hot tub here and everything, so uh, we do it about three or four times a year, so you may want to do that. Uh, since this is spring break, we, we kind of shut down the church for a week, basically all of our small groups, all of our youth ministry, everything that we normally do, we give everyone the week off, and everything will resume, all of our classes, Bible studies next week which also means that, guys, you can leave the chairs up today. Hopefully gym is closed this weekend. So anyway, we give everyone a little bit of time off. But if you've been here uh, recently, uh, you know that I'm doing a series on called The Will of Life. And basically, uh, we've, we've discovered that life is divided into seven major categories, and all of us have these seven major categories. There's our, our spiritual life, what we do or don't do in the spiritual realm, our family, uh, even if you're not married, you still have a, a family. Uh, our financial life, how we take care of our money. Our mental life, our, our intellect, how we think. Our physical bodies, taking care of our physical bodies. Then there's our work or our career. And, and last but not least, we're going to talk today, finishing up, talking about our social life. And uh, everyone has a social life, even if you don't think you have one. Okay. And so even if you say, well, you know, I work at home and I don't have friends or whatever, I just, that's what I do. So you still have a social life, it just would not be very good, right? So we have it, depending on whether it's good or not. And, and what we're looking at is this, is that true success in life is when all of our, all the important areas of our life come together and are healthy. And what we typically do, it's just human nature, we do really good in some of these areas, so we spend more time in those areas, and then there's areas of our lives that we don't do good, and then we try to avoid them. And But what, what happens is, if half of these areas are doing good and half of them aren't, the ones that aren't doing good will tear you down. For example, if your career is going just gangbusters, but you're about to enter your third marriage, you know, your family has suffered from that. And so God, doesn't want, God wants us to be healthy and be successful in all these areas. So we're finishing up this today, and just a promo for next week. Next week, we're starting a study on the book of Galatians. Once or twice a year, we try to just go through a book of the Bible, and so we're going to talk about the book of Galatians starting next week. So let's look at this, balancing your social life. And, you know, basically, the thought goes like this, that the people we associate with, the people we spend the most time with, have a direct impact on our outlook in life. Our attitudes and our perspective on life, they're influenced by the people we spend time with. And so uh, it's very care- we have to be very careful who we're spending time with and really uh, address our friendships and who is influencing us, I think is a very important. And so our relationships, our friendships, the people we spend time with, there's basically two reasons we spend time with people. The first one is this. There are people that you're forced to spend time with. Uh, now, that's not the person sitting next to you. You chose that, okay? You chose that for, for better or worse, right? For better or worse. But, I mean, think about it. We go to work, and we have to work with certain people. I mean, you move into a house, and you just get the neighbor next door. Even if it's a psycho neighbor or whatever, you know, they need deliverance and they need Jesus, you know, you didn't really, can't choose everyone in your neighborhood. 
And then there's social settings, you know, that where you go and you just can't text in your same time yet. But what you have to think about is this, is that uh, even even if you don't choose them, it, if you spend time with them, then they're going to somehow have an impact on on your attitudes and your thought life. So, But then there's people uh, that we choose to spend time with. Very, very important. We can't... Uh, we can't change the people that we have to spend time with, but we can change the people that we choose to spend time with. And what's very, very important, it's very important that it's even of greater importance if you have to spend time with some people that maybe are not good for you or uh, are not, let's say they're not a positive influence, but you can't get away from it, then it's even more important in our spare time and our free time to make sure we're spending time with people who can help us. Now, I know it's spring break, but work with me. Would you admit that there's some people that are good for you and some people who are not? You know, all the teenagers in here, you know, all the, the parents, you know, the, your, your kids' friends are the most Im- one of the most important things as to how, uh, the, you know, they're going to turn out. So now let's look at this. In every relationship we have, in every friendship, that relationship it goes one of three ways. First of all, there's relationships where we give. There's relationships where we give. Now, here's a, an important note. Those relationships drain us. And sometimes we can't help it. For example, um, if, if you're caring for a family member or your parents as they're getting older and you're the caregiver, well, that's a relationship where you're giving. And it's nobody's fault these things have happened. But when, we, when you're constantly giving in a relationship and there's no give back, um, it can be draining. That's like raising a newborn baby, you know, or a toddler. When they're not able to give back and help, or that relationship is draining, but it's for a period of time. Now, here's the problem. We have some relationships that we've chosen where they're draining us, where all we do is give. It is a one-way relationship. And so it's very important that we find some of these other ones to balance those out. What I'm saying is uh, you're going to at some point, whether intentionally or not, you're going to have some friendships and relationships that aren't necessarily positive. So you have to make sure you balance on some of these other things we talked about. The second type of relationship are relationships where we, we receive and those revive us. So a relationship where we only give, they drain us. Relationships where we receive, uh, those revive us. But just remember, you don't want to be the person who's always draining someone else. Uh, Just remember that. I mean, in other words, what I'm saying is have mercy. (laughs) You know, if you're calling somebody ten times a week and drain them, cut it back to three and they'll think that you've really grown. You know, I mean, go back like that. But then there's relationships that are mutually beneficial. And that means... That each person is giving sometimes, but they're also receiving sometimes. And in this, you know, this is a healthy relationship. So we want to be in relationships. We want to have the majority of our relationships where, you know, sometimes they, our friends need something and so we give. Sometimes we need something and they give to us. But they're mutually beneficial because sometimes they drain you, but on other times they're filling you up. And so it, 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 it balances out. So again, just think about this. 
if, if you're in relationships with a bunch of people that are just draining you, it's always about what you give, um, that's just not healthy for you long term. And so we really have to uh, consider that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul's writing the church in Corinth, and he says this, it's our text for the day, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. And at the end of that, you can just put every time, every time. How many, how many of you have known people, and they were doing really good, and they changed the people that they were hanging around with, or someone, a new association of friends came in, and all of a sudden, over time, they just got behind them. It happens so many times with teenagers. It happens a lot with college students when you know they're doing really good and they go off to a college campus and they don't make good choices in their friends and before long they're doing things that you never thought they would do. Well, what is the problem? The problem is that the people that they associated with really affected them. So uh, bad company corrupts good character, and, but also you could put it the other way that good company builds up bad character. And so John Maxwell, a uh, great leader, he says this, if you want to know where you're going to be in five years, look at the friends you just had a bunch of fun with. So the people that you hang out with right now, the people that have influence on you, the people that you spend the most time with, they're going to determine where we go in life, how far we go in life, and the direction we go in life. So it's very, very important uh, that we really today just take time to evaluate our social life. Is it healthy? Are the people that I'm choosing to be friends with, is it healthy for me? And is it a give and take relationship? Is it mutually beneficial relationship? Or are they draining me or am I draining them? Uh, Those things can really help us. So the bottom line is this, is that if you hang out, now I know you're very smart to do this. You can help me do this sermon this morning. If you hang out with negative people, you will eventually become negative, right? If you hang out with people who have no aspirations in life, uh, no desire, no determination, they just want, they're on chill mode, but they've never accomplished anything, right? Uh, That's how you'll you'll eventually say, well, why am I working so hard to get ahead? Why am I working so hard to get ahead? You know, that's, 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 that's too hard. If you hang out with people who have no spiritual desire, uh, to pursue God or to seek God, then eventually your spiritual desire is going to drain. On the flip side, if you hang out with optimistic, positive people, uh, then that's going to, over time, rub off on you. If you hang out with people who just, you know, love God and, and want more of God in their life, then that's going to inspire any, any, and encourage you. I, so I, I want you to think about this. Sometimes we make a big mistake. We we become friends with somebody just because we like them. We share a common interest. We share a common hobby. It's easy to talk with. But that that doesn't really qualify as a good friend. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so, see, we need people. I tell you what. I like to have, in my friendships, I want somebody to be able to step on my toes a little bit if I'm not doing well. I mean, I expect my friends to love me enough to say, hey, Jerry, what's going on? I want to I have friends who challenge my thinking. Like, you know, 
I figure if you hang around with smart people who are doing things, you can learn from them. I have people in all kind of different fields, and so I just want you to understand that we're going to talk about what it means to be a friend and, and the value of true friendship today, but I want you to think that, you know, friendship is more than just hanging out, having a good time. Friends are people who can help you in life. And, you know, sometimes a friend is the one that gives you a kick in the butt. Sometimes they're the one that comes and picks you up off the floor and say, come on, keep going. Get. But, but, it, but I, I think sometimes we end up just spending time with people that are comfortable to us, but they may not actually be helping us out. And so, listen, if you want to better yourself, it all determines the people you hang out with. So maybe you need to add a few people into your life as friends. And maybe it's not the person that you would first assume. Have you ever met somebody, you know, the first time you meet them and you're like, well, I'm not even sure if I like that person. I'm being honest. No, you've never, three people have done that before. You know, you're like, but, but after you get to know them, you see, man, these people are deep. Man, they have some roots. Man, they, they have, you know, they have some grit. They have some things that I need. So I, I'm going to try to spend more time uh, with, with those people. So anyway, it may seem very simplistic, but the simple truth is we become like the people that we associate with, like the people we spend time with, for better or for worse. 2 Corinthians 6, 4, it says, uh, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light and darkness have? And now I want you, you know, Paul is writing to the, the church in Corinth, the second letter here, and, uh, you know, think, think about a church that has about 50 people in it, and everyone else around them, you know, or it, it's like, it's, it's a heathenistic culture. And so you got this little group of Christians over here that the church just starting, trying to build up. And, you know, they look dramatically different from the people outside of, outside of the church, outside of Christianity around them. And, and Paul, Paul is telling them, he's like, look, you know, Paul is not trying to criticize somebody who doesn't met, yet know Jesus. He's just saying if you've met Jesus, your outlook on life should be drastically different from the people who don't know Jesus, um, which so he uses the phrase of light and darkness, okay? And so obviously, obviously, if we're going to follow Jesus, then a lot of our friendships, not all, but a lot of them need to be with other Christians who are trying to go in the same direction as us. Now, let me, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take Paul's analogy a little bit farther. There's a lot of Christians I know who are kind of apathetic and don't want to grow. And I, I, I'm, I'm saying you can be an on-fire Christian, and maybe there's even some Christians that aren't going to spur you on to good deeds, you know. I mean, think, think about this. Uh, if you want, maybe God's put something for you to do on your heart, and it's a big undertaking, right? And even a lot of people that who are Christians might, might, might tell you, you know, I just don't know if that's a good idea. And they, the reason they do that is because they don't have a lot of faith, and they've never, God's never really used them to do great things. So even in the Christian world, and I'm not saying that people are better than others. I'm, what I'm trying to encourage you is this, is that we want a lot of our Christians, our friends, to be people who love the Lord, who have a growing relationship with Jesus, because they will challenge us and push us forward. That's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to say. If you're, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian, and you feel like, man, I haven't been growing, maybe I'm the, you know, complacent Christian you've been talking about, then 
make friends with someone who's just on fire. You know, make friends with somebody who's going somewhere and let them let them help you uh, get closer to the Lord. But Proverbs twelve twenty six says this. Look, this is very important. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And so the question I have this morning is, do you choose your friendships wisely? Do you choose them carefully? Do you evaluate the long-term impact of your friendships before you take the time and effort to build a friendship? It takes time and effort and commitment and all that kind of stuff. And so I think a lot of times, again, you know, we view friendships as someone who just brings us comfort. Someone who makes us feel good about ourselves. But, but again, what I'm saying is a friend is someone, sometimes they do that, but a friend is also someone that, that can kind of get in our business a little bit. And so anyway, are the people that you're associating with, are they, are they pushing you to do great things? Do they have a positive influence on your long-term deal? Again, we want people who are going to push us and spur us and really, and really uh, have a positive impact on our lives as we move forward. So let's talk about some qualities of a friend. And this is a pretty simplistic message, but hopefully it will, it will help you. Um, first of all, I want to let you in on a little secret. And the secret is this. You don't have as many friends as you think you do. Right? And, you know, the hundreds of people on your Facebook page, they, I, most of them don't really even care about you at all. Okay? They don't care what you ate for lunch. They really don't care that you posted it. I mean, you know that that that's a that's that's kind of a, that's kind of a facade, right? Um, but honestly, if you have a handful of very good friends, you're doing well, and that will serve you well. You don't need you don't need a hundred great friends, but you do need a few. You need a few to help you out. So let's look at the qualities of a true friend. First of all, true friends are reliable. True friends are reliable. Uh, Proverbs 18.24, it says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends will come to ruin. So the very first thing we need to, to figure out is, you know, do I have friends that are reliable? And also flip the page to yourself. Am I a reliable friend? Am I a loyal friend? Am I a trustworthy friend? Can the people who call me friend actually count on me? When they get in trouble, do they call me? Or do they call everyone else before they call me? Uh, uh, true friends are reliable. A true friend is the person who will be there when life seems to be crashing down. When, you, when you're in a bind, when you need advice, when you need encouragement, when you need help, a true friend will find a way to be there when you need them. You know what I've learned about, you know, true friends is that when I am, am in a terrible situation or when I need help, you know, they make time to talk to me. If they're in a different state, they may, if I text them, hey, man, I, I need some help, I need to talk to you. They, they find a way to do that. Um, I also know a lot of people who would say they're my friend, but when I need them, I can't find them. And that's just the, 
the bar, you know, you might as well just be honest about this because I think, you know, basically what I'm talking about, we have a lot of casual friends. And they may or may not help us depending on the schedule. A true friend will make time or rearrange their schedule to make sure that they can help you in a time of need. So reliability, the ability to count on someone in your time of need is a, is a hard quality to find. And when you find a friend who is reliable, who will help you out, that's called a keeper. Do whatever you can, uh, you know, to, to keep that relationship, to foster that relationship. But the second thing is this, is that a true friend, they always speak the truth in love. Now let me ask you another question. Do you have friends who get on your nerves because they tell you what you don't want to hear? You know, sometimes actually people move away from good friendships because that person actually bugged them because they told them the truth. Here's what we need from, from a friend. A true friend does not tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. I mean, that's the difference is that someone who really loves you, they will tell you something for your own benefit, even if it makes you mad. They're not trying to make you mad. I mean, some of them do, but, you know, give them a little jab in there. But, but it's like they'll tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. That's a big problem. That's a very big problem today. I hear so many people, they're getting counsel from people who don't even know how to give counsel. And they're getting counsel from people who will only tell them what they want to hear. And, and that's a, a friend doesn't tell you exactly what you want, want to hear, but they speak the truth, first of all, not what you want to hear. And they do their very best to speak it in love. See, the, the problem is when we have friendships, many times our best friends or the people we hang out with, associate with, they hear us complain about different things. Because that's just life, right? We, sometimes we, sometimes we complain, right? Come on now. We sometimes we just complain. Sometimes we just want want to have a pity party and complain or whatever. But um, but think about this. As as we're bringing up issues, see, I think a real friend, not only do they speak the truth in love, they always point. Uh, I'm talking about a, a good friend, a godly friend. They always point you back to God's word. So it goes something like this, if, if, if a lady's hanging out with one of her lady friends and, and she starts complaining about her husband, I know none of you would ever do that, you know, and it comes something like, man, I'm just so, I'm so disappointed in, I'm so disappointed in my marriage, it's not really what I thought, I'm really disappointed that my husband is not blah, 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 going down there. You see, there's a lot of people who would just tell you, well, hey, man. That ship has sailed. Do something else for yourself. You, you just have to be happy. And uh, that, that, that's a big problem. See, someone who loves you is going to point you back to God's word. Then I ask another question like, well, man, are you praying for your husband? Are you trying to communicate with your husband? Has y'all do, why don't y'all go to a Christian counselor and work out an issue? And then they may say something like, you know, the, the next in three weeks, the the, the church is having a marriage conference. Why don't you come up here and help? Say, well, I don't have time. I don't have babysitting. Hey, and then they'll take, they'll take it a step further. If it's important to you, you would do it. 
if it's important for you to do that. But see, that's a good friend because what they're saying is, I don't want to see your marriage crash and burn. I don't want to see your kids live up in a divorced family. And I'm telling you as a pastor, I'm telling you this. I tell this all the time. It is so much better for you to work on your marriage than to go through divorce if you can help it. If you can help it. Because the thing about divorce is we think we're just turning another page, but we're not because we're going to the next relationship with more baggage. And we're bringing baggage. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting on you for divorce. I'm just saying a friend is going to help you do anything you can to avoid that because that route has pain, okay? And, you know, a friend, maybe you had trouble with your finances, you know, and, and um, you know, one friend may tell you, well, hey, you know what, I, 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 uh, I heard th- there's a consolidation loan. You just put all your credit cards on one loan, get it down, you know, get it down a little further, get the note, the payment down further, and, you know, you just get some more credit cards, you know, or something like that. You know, a true friend's going to say something like, hey, man, um, are you putting God first? Are you tithing? Are you making, you're making sure you're bringing God into it? And, hey, are you managing what you make? You know, they may ask you a question, is it that you're not making enough or is it the management of what you make? And they may offer to help sponsor you for Dave Ramsey classes. But anyway, they're going to do whatever they can to help you, you know. Again, sometimes when we complain to people, we just want them to justify what we're saying and have a pity party with us. But a friend's going to take you back to God's word. They're going to say, hey, man, God's way works. It's not easy, but it works. You know, and they're going to try to point you back to God. They're going to try to point you for people towards people who can actually help you. Because here's what I've learned. A lot of people that want to give you advice, I'm not sure they have your best interest at heart. I'm not sure they're really concerned about what happens to you three years, five years down the road. But we know that God does, and a true friend, they're going to come, they're going to be concerned where we're at, and they're going to try to help us any way they can uh, to get to them. Let me read a couple scriptures. Proverbs 27, 6, it says this, that this is very pointed, that the wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Think about that. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. Well, what does that mean? That means if one, if a friend, someone who has proven to be your friend, says something that, that, that even may hurt you a little bit, those wounds can be trusted because they have showed themselves to be a friend for a long time. That you know. See, sometimes we get mad when someone says something that we don't want to hear or says something that maybe hurts us. But sometimes, sometimes it's a friend trying to, trying to help us and to bring us back. So even when a friend wounds you, and that wound is probably unintentional, it, we can trust that. We can trust what they said or what they did because they have a proven track record of loving us and helping us. And again, the point is a friend loves you. We, we have to listen to the people that love us uh, and, and really try to take, his, take advice from them. Proverbs 27, 9, it says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, but the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. And so anyway, that, that uh, think about this, that when our friend gives us heartfelt advice, there's pleasantness to it, even if it doesn't feel pleasant at times, uh, because we know it's coming from their heart. The third thing is this. 
is that true friends love unconditionally. Proverbs 17, 7, a friend loves at all times. So again, a friend loves at all times. There's not many people who are going to love you all the time. And, and that I didn't really mean that as a joke. But, but there's not a lot of people who are going to love you when you make mistakes. There's not a lot of people who are going to love you uh, when you do something that's not right. Or, and so what I'm, what I'm saying is that a friend loves at all times. A friend loves us when we sin. They love us when we don't sin. They love us when we're doing good. They love us when, when, when we're not doing good. That they, they love us if we hurt them. They just, a friend loves at all times. Um, real friends understand that we're not perfect. And yet they choose to love us in our good moments and our bad moments. Again, everyone has friends uh, when things are going well, but a true friend sticks by us even when we make mistakes. You know, I feel like we're we're li- we're living we're living in a uh, and I'm not saying it's a new time, but or it hasn't happened before. But gosh, we're living in a day right now to where if you know someone can be popular and everyone loves them, and they do one wrong thing, and everyone is just stoned. I feel so sorry for people, you know, even when they make mistakes, you know. Everyone knows their mistakes because of the news and social media. Everyone knows what they did wrong. And then I'm, I'm thinking, man, do they have anyone that's actually giving them love? A friend loves at all times. A friend loves, again, whether we do good or whether we do bad, a friend just loves us. And let me tell you something. When you, when you crash and burn, you need to choose people who are going to love you. You need to choose people who are going to accept you because of the moments you want. Let me tell you a, a, a sad story. A number of years ago, probably about seven years ago. Um, anyway, I, when I was on staff at a, at a different church, Family Life in Lafayette, one of the other pastors on the staff, uh, he and I were, were really good friends, and and uh, I moved away, and, and he, he continued being friends and talking things. And so uh, it, it, there was an unfortunate situation where he was struggling in his marriage, and um, and the church knew about it, and they went through counseling. And 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 quite honestly, it, it the problem was not my friends; it was his wife that wanted out of the marriage, and they were trying to to work on it. And this was going on; they're trying to figure things out. And but in the midst of all that, that went on several years. And uh, in the midst of that, you know, my friend he made a terrible choice; he made a terrible mistake, and he got involved in an affair. And uh, again, that's. There's nothing right about that. That was wrong. It doesn't matter. Other stuff doesn't matter. And so, you know, it came out. So he was, obviously, he was released from the church. That's the right thing to do. Um, I believe he was publicly humiliated. Um, he went home. Now, this this guy, while he was on staff over a 10-year period, he had helped hundreds of people. He was the type of guy that would do anything to help you out. And so he goes home, you know, so he's lost his job, you know, every his life's kind of in a spiral there. And he said for, for a week he's having ex-church members show up at his house hollering at him for what he did and how he hurt him and how he let him down. And he texted him mean things, certainly on social media. And so anyway, I called him one day, and I said, man, I know you're going through a tough time.
what can I do to help? Do you want me to drive up there? Do you want to come down and spend a couple weeks here at my house? What can I do to help you? And see, it, it, it wasn't about what he, what, if what he did was right or wrong. Everyone knows it was wrong. But he still needs friends. He still needs someone to love him. And, uh, you know, this, this guy was not a crier. He started crying. He's like, you're the first person who called and said that. And, and so, again, we, again, friends, they just love. And unconditional love is not, does, is not dependent on if you're doing right or doing wrong, if you're in sin or you're not. That's unconditional love is, is, is just, listen, I love you. It's settled. You know, it's the, the thing is, is just like God. See, humans, we have trouble with unconditional love. We love with conditions most times. If you do this, I love you. If you help me, I love you. So think about God's love for us that he sent his son. He, for people, Jesus died with people spitting on him, people mocking him, and he still died for us. He died for us while we were still in sin for the hope that many of us would choose to follow. I mean, that that's what, so, so, you know, God is, God doesn't desert us when we sin. He doesn't give up on us when we're not doing well, although he wants us to live holy lives. He wants us to follow him. He doesn't want us to be in sin because sin destroys our life. So my friend, his life was already pretty much wrecked. I mean, it was wrecked. He lost his job. He lost a lot of friends, all this. He just needed someone to help him. And so a friend loved at, at, at all times. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close by talking about one more principle real quick. Give me about another five minutes. The question is this. How do you cultivate friends? Because I think we're having trouble picking the right ones to be friends with and really cultivating that friendship. I think that our... our Technology today, especially with the internet, texting, and all, all this other stuff, it has really robbed us because you see you had to talk to people. You had to talk to people. Again, again, if you're if you're my my age, you know, if you're 37 or, or above, <laughs> why are y'all laughing? Why are you laughing? My kids even told me last week I look pretty good for being older. I mean, they, told, they just told me that last week, okay? So think, think about it. So you see, we, we couldn't rely on all these things. So how do you cultivate friendships? You know, there's a principle that run, it runs all the way through the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And this principle that's very powerful, and it works in every area of our, of our lives, is the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle, uh, the principle goes something like this. Um, whatever you give in your life, you receive a harvest from it one day. And the, the, one of the main scriptures, is, again, it's all over, but Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it says this, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will, will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so, if you think about this, it, it goes something like this, that whatever you're lacking in your life, Again, this is an agricultural society, so when they said sowing, you would plant. You plant crops, you plant cotton, you get cotton, you, you plant um, vines for grapes, you get, you, you know, you get these grapes. You don't plant 
uh, you know, a, a grapevine, and, and, and you see fruit. You get what you plant. And so in our lives, think about it. The only way you can, you can really get healthy friendships is to sow these things we're talking about. Be reliable, speak the truth in love, and love unconditionally. If you sow these into your relationships, it will produce healthy friendships. And so you have to sow that. And it will work in every area of your life. And we're talking about friendships today. I mean, uh, so let, let, me, let me close with another story. So this is a number of years ago. Uh, I had a couple that had been coming to church for about a year, and they, they wanted to meet with me. And, and I said, sure, you know, I'd love to come to Palo Santo meet with you. Know, but I, I, could, I could tell, I could tell when they talked to me that I could tell that it was going to kind of be a negative meeting just because I could kind of look at their body language and hear their voices. So they came to the meeting, and I sat down with them. I said, hey, what's going on? They said, well, we've been coming to Family Life for, for a little over a year. I said, yeah, I said, well, guess what? They said, we don't have one friend in Family Life. I said, really? I was kind of taken back because um, that's usually not one of the complaints I get from family life. You know, because people are pretty friendly. And uh, so I started thinking about that. And they're like, they, they said, as a matter of fact, really the only people, person we have a relationship with at all is you. And I'm thinking, I don't really know them very well, but that's not good. Um, so I started talking to them, and I started asking them, like, well, well what have you done to make friends? And they're like, what do you mean? Well, I'm like, I said, you know that you just can't come on Sundays, you know, several times a week at least, and develop friendships. You have to do something. I said, have you ever taken one of our small groups? No, never been involved in that. Never taken one of our Bible studies? No. Have you ever come to any of our conferences? No. So they had never done anything, but they came about twice a month. And I said, look, the reason that you feel like you have a relationship with me is because I asked you to go to Family Life. And I said, you just, you, to make friends, you have to do something. You, I mean, join a small group, a Bible study, a ladies' men's Bible study, you know. You have to get involved. You find somebody at church where you think, hey, that's, they're kind of neat people. Ask them to go to lunch after church. But, but, but I, I sit there, I'm like, you know, you have to do something to make friends. I mean, and I tell all the people to be nice to them. I know they're welcome to come to come in, but. I can't make somebody have a friendship with me. Just, but, you know, but, and, and when I saw it, it's like it never, it, it never clicked. And so, um, I, I was thought it was wondering, and so, I just, I never saw them again. So, I guess they didn't like my advice, you know. <laughs> what can you say? But, but you understand, I'm, I'm trying to be personal here, but it's like, if you want to be friends, you got to take some, in, there's got to be some initiation, and, and, uh, and, of course, we're talking about making good friends. So if we're going to have healthy, balanced social lives, it starts with our friendships, the people that we choose to spend our time with. And it's very important that we evaluate our friends. And so I hope as I've been talking today, you've been evaluating. And you may find, man, there's a couple friendships that I, I maybe I just shouldn't put effort into those. I should let them kind of die a little bit. There's some new ones over here. But I, I think that these, it's very, very beneficial to you. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you. Would you just bow your heads and just take a moment? I, I believe that anytime God's word is taught, I just believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and I believe he begins to show us areas of our lives 
uh, honestly, that maybe we can improve some areas that we can change. And uh, I believe that he wants to show that to us for our benefit. So just take a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you.